Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Excited today to be joined by Dr. Susan Walsh, who is the founder of the Globe Business College out of Munich, Germany. She's got an interesting background. I'd prefer to hear her tell her story herself. But before we do any of that, Susan, welcome to Trending in Education. Well, Mike, thanks a million for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're happy to have you. And as I hinted at before, the rite of passage for guests on Trending in Education is we begin with your quote-unquote origin story, what got you to this point in your professional life as a founder who is still leading the organization that you founded quite a few years ago. That aspect of your your history is certainly interesting. Can you catch us up on what got you to this point in your professional life? So I was born in Dublin, in Ireland, and the big dream when I was young was that I would be a primary school teacher. I was fascinated by history. But I actually failed to pass maths in the Irish Leaving Certificate. Mm. So I didn't get the points needed to get into college to do, to study, to be a teacher. And left school, joined the bank, joined one of the banks in Dublin, but started to study anyway in marketing and management at night and worked my way through a degree. And at some point I got promoted to Belfast, the north of Ireland. And while working in the bank, I did a master's degree and in the University of Ulster in Jordanstown. And at the end of that, they offered me the PhD. So they wanted me to come in to do a PhD for four years, which I was at the look of the Irish, the bank sponsored the PhD. Nice. So they, yeah, they released me for four years and paid me to go off and study on the basis that I did an interpretive, purely qualitative case study based research on the bank. Mm. And after that, I then returned back to Dublin and was engaged in a postdoc research as well as I did a little bit of consultancy. But somewhere along the way, met a six foot four Bavarian German in a bar in Dublin one night. That was it. Yeah. Uh, Left Dublin. We got married in about 2003 and we moved to Germany which it's actually a quite funny story because his name is Zitzelsberger. So my, my actual, you introduced me as Dr. Susan Walsh, but it's actually Dr. Susan Walsh Zitzelsberger. Ah, thank you. And, thank you for taking it easier. Yeah, and I, tend to, I like to leave that second part out, but we moved to a street called Spitzelbergstrasse in Munich. Now you might've noticed I have a list like all the Irish and it's not easy waking up every Germany with, yeah, Walt Zitzelsberger living in Spitzelbergstrasse. Yeah, especially um, if you're going home from the pub, pronouncing it correctly is a whole other, yeah. I haven't once managed to order a taxi to the door to get me where I need to go. But uh, yeah, in 2006, I then founded Float College in Munich. That's what brought me to Germany to begin with, Yeah, the relationship. But I then professionally founded the college and have been there ever since honing, implementing, developing a model of education that some days is easy and some days it's hard. But yeah. That's my, my life's work. Yeah. And, and the approach of Globe is very different. It's more of a mission-based, intentional. You founded not just another college. It's also a business college. The educational philosophy was based in part on your experience. You were trying to do something different with this venture. Yeah, we had a very strong vision in 2006 because not that it would be another college where they walk out with this piece of paper called a bachelor degree, but really that they would they have the skills, 
They'd be able to carve their niche in the world. They'd be confident. They'd have a very clear direction for a life vision. And that did come from my background. You're right, because having studied for 11 years, I walked out with a PhD, was technically very accomplished, but not really good in practice, not really good on the ground because I hadn't developed the human side, you know, of me over the course of that studying time. It was a really strong vision. We were very clear. We also had established a niche group in Germany and in Munich in particular, who are uh, the sons and daughters of Mittelstand's company. And the Mittelstand in Germany, it's, it, these are family-run companies, but they're very, very big. They're very successful. Mm-hmm. And we just, we had the feeling this was the right approach for a particular niche group mm-hmm. in this area. And that's where we started in 2006. I mean, it evolved and changed that. You know, it, it, we pivoted left, right, and center, but that was the strong vision at the beginning. Yeah. And then the approach that is then used to execute on that vision is focused on relationship-based education, mentorship. Reminds me a little bit of what you see now around executive coaches. It's also what a CEO will get from like a board or an advisor. It does seem like there's a lot of recognition of the power of those who have already been maybe further along in their professional lives and how they can mentor and engage the learner in a way that's much more powerful and relationship-based than what you might see in a larger traditional college setting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've nailed that spot on. If I go back to 2006, the vision, we had five skills from day one that we really wanted to develop. So empathic exchange, grace, passion, communication, bigger picture thinking, and time management with a view that they actually achieved something yeah. results-driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like all great visions, it didn't work because we some of the students were really developing, but some of them weren't. And again, because we had this niche market and it was one family talking to another family, we did very little marketing. It was all word of mouth. So we couldn't afford to make promises that we weren't delivering on yeah. in the education. Mm-hmm. And we started to very very closely look at the students who were developing the skills. Again, we could do that because it's a small college. It's capped at a certain number. And we started to, it was fascinating because we started to realize it's not necessarily about skills, but it's about character, you know, or personality. And this was back in about 2010. The world was not talking about character was something that is built in the home or it's built in the family or it's built in the community. But we started to look at this and realize, okay, some of our young people, you, you know, the ability to be authentic, the ability to look at the strength within themselves, the ability to get off the phones and actually rely on their human creativity, all of this. So we started then to work with the students around the character and personality with a view that we could create the skill off the back of that. Mm-hmm. And then the next pivot happened because we then realized, okay, if you're going to work with a human being, that has to be customized. They're all completely different. Obviously, there is commonalities and there's a line that runs through what we do. But a human being is a human being and they need a customized, personalized approach, which is the day you have to pick them up. Some days you've got to love them. Some days you've got to challenge them. And you've got to have a system that allows that flexibility. And probably the part you're talking about, the relationship, is underpins everything because from day one, because we had this niche group of parents who own very successful companies all over the age of 50, let's say, yeah. we were bringing them into the education from day one because this energy from these older people with a different mindset who are hugely experienced to this new generation with another mindset, 
it just is a fantastic combination. Yeah. And it's the, the core thing is it's done within an exchange process that is an energy driven exchange process. Yeah. Which you look at traditional education, it's that's very far away from a business school, but it's a space and it's an experience that is about energy exchange between the old and the new, a different mindset. So that both come together and somehow move forward exactly as you've said. Yeah, exactly. And then the, the piece that I was trying to understand a little bit better is uh, scaling. And it seems like a, it's an amazing experience. It reminds me of like having a personal coach. I went to a new college in Florida, which had very small class sizes, and it was an amazing experience. Not sure how easy it is to scale that and to get that to go broader. But I guess one way to scale it is to get the, get the message out that it does work at a local level. And then perhaps there's an ability to unlock like a community of interest, a community of practice around what you've been successful at, but I imagine it's something both scaling at a local level, but then it does seem like you have a disruptive enough model here with a long enough track record that you probably have some perspective on how this could grow more. I'd love to get a little more of your thinking on that. Yeah, it's a great question because you're, you're in education. You're absolutely at the core of what's happening, not just over the last three years, but the massive change mm-hmm. that, you know, particularly business education. Yeah. Um, is facing and will face because it's the tech giants are now in education, whether they want to be there or not, they're there for the the, the shareholder value. And the entry, traditionally, the entry into business education for us was you had to have an accredited degree from a government. That's the entry into the marketplace. As the tech giants are now saying, we don't necessarily need a degree. You can do our certificates. You can do whatever. That's going to reshape this entire industry that we're in. For me, one of the things is this whole investment in edutech and this whole notion in the world that everything has to be scaled mm-hmm. and in scaling, you know, it's unicorn level. So, you know, right. where, what sexy is, it's unicorn level, global scale. We are diametrically opposed to that. And the reason we're diametrically opposed to that on the other end of that scale is that we're dealing with human beings. And the only way to deal with human beings is a very intense one-on-one exchange process. Yeah. So for me, scaling is absolutely, it's a model. It's a model that's being tested. And the scalability of that is not huge numbers because in scaling, in scaling the numbers, you're taking the power of that model away. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's about, let's say, niche coming together. You know, we're not the only ones doing a fantastic job in yeah. niche areas. But in this world that's coming, the niche needs to come together. And I'm very passionate about that. The niche needs to come together to actually make sure that these models, you know, in a world where the tech giants are potentially owning and running education are there and our young people are okay. And the human aspect of who we are and what we are is going forward. Scalability, there's a lot of different ways of doing that. You can have small entities around the world, different globe colleges or different, whatever that is, all coming together. And the power comes together with these niche models coming together. But we certainly do need investment in the niche. We need resources going into the niche and we need, we need champions coming forward saying, hold on, let's invest in the human niche side of this too. Not everything is a unicorn. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because it, it's reminiscent to me also of the bootcamp movement in the U.S. You were also on some of this stuff relatively early too. Like there's been a real movement towards social emotional learning and character education. The fact that you were on these things probably 10 years ahead of the prevailing wisdom is an indicator that you've been able to, to get out ahead of things, play with your head up. 
I am curious how you're seeing maybe the last couple of years where in some ways you were forced to adapt, even if you had a model that worked in February of 2020, that model has probably changed between then and now. I also heard, and I was, this is a somewhat hopeful note for me as a solopreneur is that smaller organizations were better positioned to respond to the disruption that we saw because it was easier to, to see an opportunity and seize it and move. I'd be curious, how are you telling the story of the last couple of years in, in terms of globe and how you've been able to manage the disruption, several disruptors, predominantly the, the pandemic, but also there's been a social justice awakening. There's been a financial crisis. There's almost just many variables happening out there in the world around us that are changing what it means to, to operate in this landscape. What's it been like the last couple of years? Yeah, there's two different, there's two different, let's say, answers to that question. If I start at the more strategic level, um, I could have told you back in 2011 that uh, education was going to seriously change because I could see it on the ground. Mm. And we, we didn't do scientific research into this. We worked day in, day out with young people watching the changes, watching what they needed, watching the human beings. What's really interesting now is the last three years have just, just put such incredible speed into that change. It's incredible how quickly the industry is changing. Yeah. And there are now companies, there's people coming to the fore, like Learn Life there in Spain. You've got the Otto family in Hamburg and in Germany who are really saying we need a new paradigm of education. And that paradigm of education isn't necessarily an accredited degree or it's, it's not about assessments. I know you went to a school where, you know, it's pretty similar to that. It's about process driven. It's not about these boxes. Yeah. But the great thing for us is we're now able to link into some of these partners who have invested huge resources in the science in what education should be. Mm. And funny enough, what education should be scientifically is what we've been doing on the ground. Okay, in a very niche, small group. But we've been doing that on the ground, proving it. And this is the great thing now about the whole industry opening up. If we can come together, the partners can come together, the right partners can come together. We have opportunities for an incredible paradigm shift in education with everybody bringing their part to the table. The second part in terms of on the ground running a relationship-based, customized, human-driven energy exchange, college, educational model in the middle of a pandemic. What saved us two things, one, our flexibility, because our entire system is a flexible system. It has to be to deal with human beings. And secondly, the incredible network and the community that we have behind us. And primarily, these are the, the company owners, the parents who have been with us from 2006. When their kids graduate, they don't just say goodbye. They're bought into the model. They're bought into the concept. They're bought into young people, mm. not just their sons and daughters, but others having access to this education. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be a three-year degree. We have weekend programs. We have week programs. We have three months. We have anything you can think about to get young people woken up out of their comfort zone and, and going, okay character and skill. Um, but without that community, we've some of the top companies, Germany, top entrepreneurs in the world are linked into our, because either their sons or daughters studied there or they're just linked in with the model. And that brought us through this very tough time. Mm -hmm. And it also opened up an opportunity now that we're working with those companies saying, okay, how can we get this model beyond where it is in Germany? What can we do? I'm now sitting on the, the mentorship board for the ECAR Institute in, in Vienna there. And absolutely, they're talking about one million young leaders being developed. And it's, it is now people coming together. So 
the pandemic, yes, it, it was tough, but huge opportunities have come out of it too. Yeah. And it's also a time where the think globally, act locally, the old saw still resonates. And when I think about what you're doing, it, it does seem like that. And it does remind me of movements towards decentralization and a little more of a, a bottom-up versus a top-down model uh, of innovation. And and that paired with your comment, which I think is a fair one about the, the tech giants continuing to invest in the sort of establishment model of either the establishment model of business school and or their own independent model. It is a time where there's a risk that the smaller players could get squeezed out, but I still think it's running more in line with the general tendency to look for something local, something community-based, something mission-based. I would be curious if there are other communities like the one you identified, like what's involved in finding the right environment in which something like what you've been successful with at Globe can thrive. And then a uh, related question is, how do you, how are you measuring your success? Like, how do you know that it, the, the model is actually working? You're going back to the community. It sounds ridiculous, but we actually interview every set of parents for every student that comes to the college. And I'm talking about 17, 18 year olds. It's yeah. not what you traditionally do at college level. Mm -hmm. But we do that because one, those parents are, are buying into a notion of an educational concept. They also, with their companies, are providing huge impact into that education. We have a scheme called the Parent Swap Scheme, where, you know, these companies are swapping their sons and daughters into each other's companies. And they're swapping not just for internships, they're swapping in as role models, they're swapping in as anything that you can think of. They're giving their soul to these young people. So that is a very strong community. And the thing is, a strong community only comes from a very strong bond with people. We can all talk about the internet and everything else and Zoom or whatever, but it's a very strong bond with people who get each other, understand each other, all have a similar view of, of what we should be doing with human beings. So anybody can create that community. But one of the things for me, Mike, is it's, it, it comes down again to energy exchange. And I keep going back to this. It's if we don't have the energy, we can't exchange it. Mm. And for me, the world, you know, we're starting to lose this energy. I grew up in a world in Ireland where everybody was, had energy. They had energy to give, and you were raised and developed by that energy. And as educators, energy is the most important thing that we have to give these young people. They're living in a world where knowledge is democratized. They have it on their fault. They don't need us for knowledge. They don't need us for theory. They don't necessarily need us for these, these ECTS credited degrees. They do certainly need us for our soul and our hearts and, and our experience and our energy. And it's, it's communities are built on energy. At the end of the day, communities that last are communities that are there for you when, when you need them to be there, that that's energy and anyone could do that. Yeah. And then you, and you need the resources to be able to, to power that system, which is the other place where, you know, it does open up questions around, around access and equity, which is a big theme really over the last couple of years as well. How do you think about that? Like, how do you think about it sounds like when there is a community and there is this, there's good support from the families and all that, there's this opportunity to, to succeed. But then I think there's increased awareness that not everyone's coming from that same background. Is the model you've established at Globe, do you think it could work in, in other contexts? Or does it really need to be based out of a more successful, kind of like thriving you know, community, a business powered community, which it sounds like 
especially for a business college, it may in fact be the case that tying it to industry and the private sector is part of the recipe for success. Again, because we have a particular niche group, our companies are absolutely willing to invest in young people and they're willing to invest in a model. I'm not talking about their own sons and daughters. I'm talking about a model that develops young people because in the future, the next issue will be, and I see it already here, where are the staff for these companies? And I'm not talking about where are the staff for the Google or the tech giants or the, the bigger companies. I'm talking about where are the staff for the Mittelstan companies or the companies that are family run, because that is a very particular mindset. Mm -hmm. And it requires absolutely very specific characters. It requires absolutely very specific skills. Yep. So when you talk about access and this being available, this absolutely can be available to everyone because companies are willing to invest in that. They're yeah. willing to invest in the development of young people. This is not an ambitious model. Yeah. It, it's a model that requires energy and energy costs money to put people with people and, and have that. But there's enough people out there willing to invest in that. And again, when you talk about scalability, we need to bring these people together and say, can we take as many young people as we can and shape them? Because again, traditionally they were shaped in the family or shaped on the street. Those systems are breaking down. Yeah. It becomes more and more obvious to the older people of the planet. These systems are breaking down. So we have to replace that character development in some way. And that is absolutely not an elitist approach. That is something that every human being and every young person should have access to. Yeah, I mean, I looked at I looked at a documentary there about the metaverse two days ago. About ten minutes into it, I went, <laughs> "What we are doing is so at the other end of that continuum." Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you would say, "Does that frighten you?" Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because the question is, who's educating the young people that when they go into the metaverse, they get themselves out, or when they put on the any like glasses, at some point they go, "Hold up, this human creativity that I have, I that too." Yeah, and it's. We need it all. We need it all. The, this planet needs everything. Yeah. The niche part is equally as important. To... Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd like the answer too, because it, it helps me refine my understanding of, of the, the market you're talking about. It's a little more like uh, small business owners, family run businesses in the U.S., which is something that there's a little more of an underdog vibe to that segment of the market. And it's also where a lot of the, the local community-based activity comes from. So I think I understand better which is maybe another place, I don't know how much awareness you have of like business education in the U.S. or how it varies globally and how you're thinking about international education. But I imagine as, as, some, as someone who's Irish, who's lived in Munich for some time, and I think by virtue of being in Germany, you have to be very much aware of what's happening, at least what's happening around all of Europe. But any perspective in terms of the current state of play in education, business education. It, you know, the issue there of it's small company owners, it's not, that just is the niche we have. But again, on the ground since 2006, I have seen every year the increase in this, these notions of perfectionism and procrastination and apathy. And I read something yesterday about the anti-ambition, the anti-ambition. Yes. Movement. This character issue is will be an issue. It is an issue. And it's an issue for a lot of young people. It's not just for certain young people because yeah. the world that we've set up, I don't know if it's a fuel it or whatever, but there certainly is. I see it on the ground. So when we're in a niche, this is something that is applicable to a lot of young people on the, yeah. on the planet. And it, yeah, yeah. It, if we start broadening our understanding a little bit, look at right, where can you apply that? Then you get a different perspective. 
Yeah. Yeah. And how do you measure success then? Do you stay connected to your alumni? I imagine that the model with this level of connection, community-based, relationship-based, I imagine it, you run through the tape, so to speak. Once you graduate, there's still more on the other side and you're not just looking at whether folks complete their degree. It's more the outcomes really throughout the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. They, they all walk across the graduation stage at some point. We, they actually graduate in Ireland because we have a partner college there. Nice. Um, and when we hand those degrees, yes, we're handing those degrees, but more importantly, we're going, right, have they developed exactly what that vision was in 2006? We've reached that. And um, it's very rare. But once they get to that stage level, they have developed those skills. They have developed their personalities. And I'm not talking about a traditional setup where we go to system and you're in competition with the system. They're basically in competition with themselves from day one. They're in competition with them developing themselves. But the interesting thing is over the last number of years, we've had quite a number of alumni come back with the question, can we do something else in Globe College? And they're not asking to do master degrees. What they're looking for is this safe space where they can come back and redevelop the, the character or make sure the character is okay and be authentic and be in this space where they were for three years and they felt, okay, good. Because in that community and in that space are a lot of, a lot of very powerful older people who are giving them the energy as well, you know, and that has yeah. to be sustained. And some of these graduates would have already done master degrees, but they're now going, I need that. It's this environment that I want back. Yeah. Which for me is really is the absolute sign of the success of it because it's, they're coming back look, looking for something, which is, it's a feeling, you know, and if they're coming back looking for a feeling for me, that's very powerful because it, you know, it certainly makes me feel good in terms of the change that I've made in, in life. Yeah, ab absolutely. And then where do you see things headed? It's a pretty chaotic time. Perhaps it's been chaotic for longer than many of us would like to admit, but at least since the spring of 2020, coming up on two years now, it's been pretty disruptive to everyone's day-to-day. -day. Things have been accelerated, to your point, within education. And then also, in many ways, education's become a, a, a more important topic in terms of the global conversation, perhaps, than it's been before. I think more folks are aware of what's happening. Their kids frequently were forced into their homes again, and it was a revelation. And there's also been a lot of activation of parents around their children's education. Uh, and I'm sure you've been engaging with all of this in, in many different capacities, but, uh, but any thoughts on where we might be heading next? Well, I need out the, I need out the metaverse out of this. <laughs> I found a good miniature golf game in the metaverse. So just to defend the metaverse, I'm not convinced it's going to be a big win. I think there'll be nice little diversionary tactics. I don't really want to go to a mini golf course. But if I can put my visor on and play a little bit of mini, mini golf, that's a win for me. Uh, I'm like, we'll have to get you to Ireland to play on one of our fantastic real golf courses, okay? So that you see what, when the wind, the Atlantic Ocean hits you on the 19th hole. <laughs> and you have to come anyway, because we have fantastic authors, Beckus, Wild, Well done. Paula. Yes, yes, well done. Uh, you're more than welcome. But if you, you're just on the notion there of parents, because it's really interesting for me. I spend a lot of my time and have since 2006 educating parents. Now, again, that sounds ridiculous, but you're the middle between this new generation and the older generation and nobody is educating the parents. The parents are expected. They have a mindset. They grew up in a particular world. We did. I went to college because I had no internet. I had to go there to get the knowledge. Yeah. So it's a learning process and an education process for the parents and the kids, for all of us on this planet, because yeah. we, we've got to combine this new and the old. 
And in terms of the future, for me, absolutely, the next five years, there is a paradigm shift in education. There is no question about it. There's on one side for me, it is the tech giants are there. They're going to absolutely reinvent what we do, probably in a fantastic way. And we're yeah. really, really right for X amount of people. But at the other end, there, there are going to be human beings that value that character relationship-based education model. And we have to make sure that that's still there for them. You know, yeah. that, 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 that that is there and people have access to that. Yeah. We're in Zoom now. So I'm sure you've been forced into this level of engagement. Any thoughts on the, the kind of energy exchange that happens through, through these formats versus uh, you see more on the side of uh, it's actually physically being present with other people is, is what you're talking about? I hate it. Dare I say, am I allowed to say? You're allowed, it's, sure. It, oh, it's, uh, it is my absolute, it's, it just is not something for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I love people. I love being in a room. I love watching human beings talk. I love seeing the energy. It's maybe it's the Irish part of me. I don't know. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, there are benefits for Zoom. We run a brilliant thing called Date with the Dean now where we bring in very charismatic people out the network. We didn't do that prior to the pandemic because yeah. we were all in the college. Mm -hmm. So that's opened up that group to other people. But if I had my choice, I'd like to be in a room with people. Yeah, well, exactly. And it's also a reminder that these things are all choices uh, to your point where like when you're driven by an educational philosophy, a vision, a mission, decisions about technology are then driven by that as opposed to the other way around where suddenly everyone's using Zoom. Therefore, it's time for us to uh, shift that's always the question. At what point is a pivot actually warranted? And at what point are your values, is your vision, is your culture uh, ultimately what you're, you're building? It's been an amazing conversation uh, so far, Susan. We're, we're getting close to conclusion. I always okay. like to, to end by asking for any concluding thoughts, but also any advice or any recommendations for folks opportunity to inspire a little bit on our way out of people's lives with today's episode. Any, any concluding thoughts? Probably lifelong learning and lifelong learning about uh, character, protect your character, find that space, find that community, find that energy that you can keep going back to that makes sure that you remain true to yourself, you're authentic and you're able to get out every day in this very dynamic, crazy world that we live in. Awesome. Oh. Okay, thanks a million. I really enjoyed it again. And I hope to see you in Ireland at some point. Very happy to have Dr. Susan Walsh on the show with us today from the Globe College of Business out of Munich. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. For listeners, hopefully you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. If you did, please subscribe, write a review, tell your friends. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <laughs>